You're listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. Today on the podcast, I'm sure you've seen records made of vinyl. Maybe you've even seen the very old records made of shellac. But have you ever seen a record made of ice or wood or cardboard? These are all things that exist. But why aren't records that you buy in the store made of wood rather than vinyl or ice for that matter? You know, besides the fact that you would have to keep it frozen. Today on the podcast, we'll talk about sound and how records recreate sound waves and what the material that the record is made of has to do with it. That's today on the Physics Central podcast. Hello, everyone. What you see here is one of ten extremely select boxes sent out to a chosen group of fans and press around the world. In order to be the first to hear Shout Out Loud's first track from their forthcoming album, this group was required to make a record out of ice. What you're hearing is obviously just audio. If you go to our website, physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com, you can see the video that it comes with. As the narrator said, this is a project created by the Swedish band The Shoutout Louds. The video is a demonstration for anyone who didn't receive one of these exclusive kits. It shows how the lucky winners created their own record made of ice. Basically, you just pour water into a mold and freeze it, put it on your turntable, and voila! And here's how it sounds. This is exactly what a record made out of ice sounds like. Enjoy. It hurts when I breathe. It hurts when I speak. Not great, honestly. The song that you're hearing is a shout out loud song called Blue Ice. And the song is apparently... Is about fading devotion. So the whole ice record thing seems more metaphorical than practical. But why can't a record made of ice sound just as good as a record made of vinyl? I mean, the ice record still captured the song. You could hear it. It just had a lot of additional noise. So what does the material really have to do with the quality of the sound of a record? Well, to find out, I contacted physicist David Kirkby. He's a professor of physics and astronomy at the University of California, Irvine. He's currently on sabbatical in Paris. Kirkby has also taught classes about the physics of music, although that's not what his research is about. My research is in uh, observational cosmologies in particular looking at uh, dark matter and dark energy. I asked Kirkby about the ice record. So for a record like that that's made out of, of ice, um, you know, it's obviously only going to be able to play it once or twice. But, um, I mean, for, for the mass-produced record, you want to use material that's very cheap, that's very durable, and that you can easily uh, mass-produce lots of them. So that's sort of, you know, vinyl was a, a, good, a good compromise there, but there's you can make a record out of out of anything, especially if you don't want to play it too many times. I've, I've heard that people have actually made records, that used to make records out of an old x-ray film. 
It's true. In the former Soviet Union, Western music was highly censored and mostly unavailable. So when a few records would make their way into the country, very resourceful young people figured out a way to make copies of them using discarded x-ray film, which was apparently quite common. You could find it in the dumpsters of hospitals. It's easy enough to scratch grooves into x-ray film, but unfortunately that also means it's easy for the stylist to wear down those grooves, so the records were only good for a few months. The important thing is this. An audio record is just something, it can really be any material, that carries the imprint of a sound wave. So just as I can take a picture of waves on the ocean, I can make a drawing or an etching of a sound wave. But what makes one sound wave different from another? What makes one wave sound like Beethoven and another wave sound like Bob Dylan? I asked Kirkby about the basic properties of sound waves. Well, sound is really just air moving back and forth. Um, and if it moves back and forth fast enough, then, then we can hear it. I mean, whenever, if you just flop your hand back and forth, you're making a sound. It's just too low frequency that you can't hear it. And humans, you need, you need to have the air moving back and forth at least 20 times a second or so before, before we can hear it. But there are other animals that can hear uh, much lower frequency sound, like elephants, for example. So, so frequency is an important way of describing a sound, just how, how many times per second is it moving back and forth. So a change in frequency equals a change in pitch. Here's a series of very simple sound waves increasing in frequency. These sound waves are very simple. If I were to draw them, they would look like nice, smooth hills separated by nice, smooth valleys. They'd have a regular, repeating pattern. But if you maintain that simple shape, it's hard to get much variation. I mean, sure, you can change the pitch or you can change how loud the notes are, but obviously we want to get far more variation than that when we make a record. So the real variation starts to come when you start to combine sound waves. By mixing multiple sound waves together, you can create a new sound wave with a different shape. So rather than the smooth hills and valleys, you can make triangle waves, which sound like this. Or square waves. Or sawtooth waves. And when you combine sound waves at all different frequencies, you get noise. So by combining sound waves, the possibilities for the types of new waves that you can create are almost endless. Right. Well, it's not, it's not obvious, but when you listen to a note on a on a piano or a clarinet or a violin, really what you're, you're hearing is equivalent in a, a strict mathematical sense to the sound that, that would be produced by a whole bunch of hundreds of, of tuning forks, which are chosen to have the right notes and struck in just the right way. You can't, it's hard to do the experiment with 100 tuning forks, but you can actually do the experiment quite easily 
electronically, where you can make the electronic equivalent of tuning forks, the sine wave uh, generators. So you can actually recreate the sound of any any real instrument, or in fact, of instruments that have never been heard before, just by combining the effects of all these tuning forks. So the, the, the musical uh, term for that, you know, the, the way they combine, is what we call the timbre, or the, the color of the music. Basically, you have a, a menu of different fundamental frequencies that you can you have to work with, and then you just combine them in different ways to get the sounds of different instruments. A single note from a single instrument can create a smooth, repeating sound wave. But once you start adding variety to the notes and throwing in multiple instruments, the sound waves become more complex. They still have a frequency, a rate of vibration that gives them their pitch. But if you look down at the grooves in a record, at the shape of the waves, you'll see that they're often jagged and irregular. Still, if you know what to look for, you can see the basic components of a simple sound wave. Well, if you were to look at the surface of a record with just a good magnifying glass, you can see this. You'll see that the, the grooves are not, it's not just a straight spiral from the outside to the inside. The spiral has slight uh, wiggles in it. And in fact, you can tell by looking at the wiggles whether you're looking at uh, a section which, has a, which is mostly bass or mostly treble. So if the wiggles are, are quite slow, then, then it, that's a, more of a bass uh, part of the music. And if they're much faster, then you're looking at more of a, a high frequency or treble part of the music. Those grooves, those copies of the sound wave, are then translated into an electronic signal and then back into sound waves. When, uh, when you put a needle in the record player and spin the record around, then you're causing the, the needle is following the curves in, in the track, and that's getting then converted into, uh, into an electronic signal that gets amplified and then put out to the, to the speaker. If the speaker turns those vibrations in the groove into vibrations of the, the cone of the speaker that pushes the air and you hear a sound. Now getting back to our question, a complex sound wave can be carved into a vinyl record to recreate the original sound almost exactly. So why doesn't the ICE record work as well as vinyl? Why does the ICE record seem to have so much more static? Is it the same thing that causes static in a vinyl record? Here's what Kirkby had to say. So in, in vinyl, uh, it's, it's mostly dust. On the because um, I mean, dust to settle out of the air onto the into the grooves and the grooves are quite small so it doesn't take much to to give the needle a big uh, a big jog which then you're going to hear I think in the in the case of the ice record it's just that you can't really transfer very small features from the from the mold onto the onto the ice so it's not really a very it's not an exact copy. So a mite of dust is enough to effectively change the shape of the sound wave that's etched into the vinyl. That demonstrates just how small these etchings are and just how small a change can totally change the sound of the record. When vinyl is warm, it's very soft and very malleable, and it's very easy to stamp the impression of a record into it. And just as importantly, when the vinyl cools, it maintains that shape very well, even down at the scale of a mite of dust. 
but other materials like ice or wood might be more rigid down at that scale. They might not be able to form into the detailed shape of the sound wave quite as well as vinyl. Now, that hasn't stopped people from trying to make records out of other materials. Engineer Amanda Gasai has made records out of wood, acrylic, and paper, and she's printed records using a 3D printer. Here's a clip of one of her records carved out of wood. If you listen carefully, you can hear David Bowie's Rebel Rebel playing through the noise. All of the records basically have this much noise with them, so they all sound terrible. But the process is interesting, and there's the potential for improvement. Gasai carved the sound waves into the wood and acrylic and paper using a laser cutter. So one of the reasons that the records might not sound great could be because the laser cutter can't etch the sound waves into the wood or acrylic or paper with sufficient detail. So there's a lot of additional sound because the sound waves aren't exactly how they should be. These records were also produced at a very low bit rate, which basically means a lot of detail from the sound waves was washed out to begin with. But Gasai still demonstrated the underlying principle behind a vinyl record. She recreated a sound wave in a physical medium and then took that copy and turned it back into sound. This and the ICE record demonstrate how just a little bit of physics can lead to a feast of audio outcomes. When you realize how how elegant it is that it, it all works. It's, yeah, it's pretty amazing that the whole the infinite variety of sound can really be understood in terms of some very simple principles. Thank you again to David Kirkby. We've got a lot of supplemental material to go with this podcast. You can check that out at our blog, physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Central. We'll be right back.